ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Played four now towards Sam Kerr. Kerr over the halfway line. Faced up by Millie Bright. Kerr still racing forward. Edge of the box. Sam Kerr shoots right footed. What a strike! What a goal from Sam Kerr! Yeah, we're not quite over it yet, are we? Good news is we have one more chance for Matilda's highlights before this hazy fever dream of a football tournament wraps up. And in a moment, we're going to talk Tillies and Sweden with Sam Lewis and ask her about some of the hard questions coming for coach Tony Gustafsson. We've also got the weekend forecasts for NRL and AFL and soundbites. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Sam Lewis is the ABC's football writer. She's had a little bit on her plate these last few weeks, but she's <laughs> just like us. Just like the tournament, she can see the finish line. She's not alone on that front. The Tillies play Sweden on Saturday as they chase third place. Sam, tournament bronze clashes can be a bit wonky on a spectrum of falling in a heap from exhaustion and sparkling, unshackled excellence. Where do you expect the Australians <laughs> to land? Look, I don't know how the Matildas are still standing. I'm exhausted having just sat on the sidelines and watched them have to go through everything that they've gone through, particularly that France game. Oh, my goodness. Um, look, I'm, I'm really excited for this third-place playoff against Sweden. I think the Matildas will be really geared up uh, to finish third. You know, finishing third in a World Cup is a pretty extraordinary thing to be able to say, considering it's going to be probably the last World Cup hurrah for a couple of players, including Claire Polkinghorne and potentially Katrina Gorry. I think they will really want to do their best to to go out with a bang. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. But at the same time, Sweden are probably coming at this feeling like they need to be vindicated in some ways as well. They had a, a, a good tournament and will want to be going home with some silverware too. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you want this team to to do really well. You want to see all of these big players stepping up and, and having this moment in the sun. Ball into the middle towards Carusa and great defending, getting back there. Who else? Katrina Gorry has just taken the corner kick at the other end of the field, got all the way back deep into her own half to steal the ball away from Caruso's toe. But at the same time, we've got a number of players who haven't really been given that opportunity and this might be their last one. So, you know, if you're Tony Gustafsson, what do you do? Yeah, with the dust settling on that England outcome, I think a lot of questions are starting to be asked, rightfully, of Tony Gustafsson, particularly around that 23 for 23 mentality, the squad mentality that we haven't necessarily seen. And I'm thinking about those rarely cited players, Kai Simon, Alex Chidiak, Charlie Grant, etc. Are we going to see them play a role here or is this going to be further evidence that the 23 and 23 was maybe not so much of a thing? Well, that's the question, isn't it? The post-mortem is already beginning, I think, from a, a couple of people. It's a real curiosity, I think, that Gustafsson has really leaned into this 23-23 and 23 mantra, and yet we've only seen a maximum of 15 players over the course of this tournament, and only some of them for a couple of minutes. And a huge ovation, too, for Grant as she comes on off the bench for what could be a two-minute performance here tonight. It's a strange thing to say when he spoke about these game changes and how crucial they are, and yet didn't really give them a run at all. Uh, there are some players who didn't even see the grass, you know, Courtney Nevin, Claire Wheeler, uh, and only a couple of minutes from Charlie Grant and Alex Chidiak. So it's a real shame that they weren't given this experience and this opportunity to prove themselves. And what does it say about Tony Gustafson's trust in them? Like, was it all just for show? Were all these just words in the sky? Or did he actually believe them? I think this third place playoff against Sweden 
could potentially answer that. And to be honest, from the, the way that the Matildas played against England, there are some very tired bodies out there. They are absolutely exhausted. Players like Caitlin Ford, Hayley Rasso, Kyra Cooney-Cross, Ellie Carpenter, Steph Catley, they have played almost every single minute of this tournament. And yes, while they absolutely deserve to go out there against Sweden and try to play for a third place uh, bronze medal, at the same time, you know, you need to keep player welfare in mind as well. So it's going to be really curious to see whether he shakes things up or whether he sticks with the same starting 11 that he's basically used over the whole tournament. The tournament decider gets underway Sunday night in Sydney. We know a bit about England. Can you illuminate our audience on Spain and particularly the mutiny that spawned a new team that's now in the final? Because it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, so for lots of people in the women's football community, we're all on team anyone but Spain because their head coach, Jorge Vilda, is a very divisive character. He's been in the role for a number of years now from a number of reports in not just Spanish, but global media has created quite a controlling environment, an environment that's become really toxic and that a number of senior players have decided to step away from. Last year, there was a big mutiny of about 10 to 15 Spanish national team players, most of whom form the core of FC Barcelona, one of the greatest women's teams in history. They all came out uh, collectively with a statement saying that as long as Jorge was in the role of head coach, they were not going to represent the Spanish team. There were some uh, reports saying that, for example, he would force players to leave their doors open at night so that he could go around and check that all of the players were in their rooms at the appropriate times. A lot of people question his tactical nous as well and, and believe that he's just not a very good coach to get the best out of the players that he has. And over the course of this tournament, we've actually seen some quite awkward moments between Jorge and his players. Um, for example, after winning the quarterfinal, uh, he went onto the field to try and celebrate with them, but they all swerved him. And so he was left standing in the grass by himself. So it's a really awkward moment for this Spanish team, particularly for the players who are part of this incredible run to their first ever Women's World Cup final. I'm thinking of someone like Alexia Puteas, who, for example, was standing in solidarity with the original boycotting players, but decided to make herself available for selection. And now if they win this tournament, uh, you have to imagine that their achievement is going to be overshadowed by the larger circumstances in which they've done it. So it's a really tricky one. And unfortunately for a lot of people, it means that we do have to be England fans for a day. <laughs> but, you know, this is another example, I think, of while women's football has flourished and while this Women's World Cup has absolutely been the biggest and the best that it has ever been, there are still some really serious structural and cultural issues that some of the best teams in the world are still facing. One of those teams vying to be the best in the world is England. You would expect they'll have too much class here, would you, Sam? Look, the way that they completely dismantled the Matildas gives me real confidence that they can go all the way. We saw that they have the capability in terms of their squad and also in terms of their tactics through Serena Wiegmann to go all the way in a major tournament. They won the Women's European Championships last year when they hosted it, and that was a real galvanising moment, not just for the team, but also for the country. So they know how it feels. They know what it takes to go all the way. They know uh, what it's like to play against this Spanish side who they had to get past in order to win the Euros last year as well. So I think for a lot of people, having seen the way that England went about their semi-final win over Australia 
and the way in which Serena Weidman in particular outcoached arguably Tony Gustafsson in a number of ways and also just the talent across the field. Like these are the best players in the world. All of them are starting players for the best clubs in the best leagues and they seem to have finally found their groove. There were a couple of moments of hesitation, a couple of scratchy performances in the group stage, but it seems like they've really gathered momentum um, the, the longer this tournament has gone on and I think a lot of us are feeling quite confident that they can go all the way. Just two games left. Enjoy them, Sammy. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Pat. The penultimate round of the AFL home and away season is upon us, and we're excited because we get to use the word penultimate. There's also good footy and mini finals left and right, and we are fascinated to see Collingwood take on Brisbane. You know the drill. People don't trust the Lions in Melbourne. So here's another chance for the Queenslanders to get some reps in Vic against a genuine premiership contender in the Pies. Four points would leave Brisbane in a box seat for a top-two finish. Collingwood, they arrested their slide with a win over the last week, but this should be tougher still. Ravaged by injury, but the sublime skills and speed kills the older, slower cats. And Collingwood just about will secure the minor premiership. It all adds up to a great Friday night clash. The Giants and Essendon are ninth and 10th respectively. They are even on points and a loss for either could be fatal for top eight chances. Did somebody say mini-final? Yep, we did. The Bombers have got their Ruckman back and the fact that everyone insists on calling him Big Sammy Draper instead of just Sam Draper tells you about the significance of that inclusion. They also get Jake Stringer back. GWS, they lose Nick Haynes, but they do get Bedford and Daniels back into their team. Elsewhere and the Swans look to be making up the numbers this season, but the Bloods are officially on a heater having won five straight as they head to Adelaide, knowing a victory over the Crows would probably mean finals footy. Dane Rampey is back from injury, though Sydney do lose one-man party Joel Amati. From a Crows point of view, the pride of South Australia probably need to win to keep their finals chances alive. It's a Saturday night at Adelaide Oval. The crowd will be hostile, and in a week where everyone seemed to be retiring, SA heartthrob Rory Sloan confirmed he's going round again. Also, keep an eye out for Josh Rochelle on your telly after he was promoted into the starting 22. Oh, one more thing for Swans fans. Lance Franklin has agreed to do a farewell lap of honour in round 24. That's still a week away yet. Finally, the Eagles dogs clash is one to keep an eye on given the conjecture around West Coast coach Adam Simpson and whether he's going to see out his contract. Intriguing. You can catch every game live and commercial free on the ABC Listen app. Time for the National Rugby League. And the Sharks have quietly played themselves into form as they beat the Cowboys by 20 in Townsville on Thursday night to make it three straight and edge into the top four, for now at least. You know what Cronulla fans would have loved, aside from the win, Nico Hines continuing his run of late-season form. The playmaker was typically dreamy as the Sharks continued to tune up for finals. Here's Hines running at them to seal it. He's done it. Nico Hines does it. On a solo run to score for the Sharks to seal a win which should, which should get them to the final eight in 2023. You wouldn't normally expect us to list 14th versus last as one to watch, but we kind of want to see what happens as the Dolphins collide with the bottom place Tigers after they parted ways with coach Tim Sheens this week. Benji Marshall is taking the reins much earlier than the succession plan had outlined. Spare a thought for Luke Brooks. It's the final home game of the halfback's career with the club. He will play under another senior coach. Kind of sums up his time there. Eight coaches in 11 years. 
And finally, seventh placed Newcastle host, eighth placed South Sydney in an enormous clash Sunday. The winner will almost certainly play finals. The loser will be walking the tightest of tightropes. It's pretty grim for Bunnies fans when earlier in the season they were considered a premiership contender. The Knights, they have been in a rich vein of form. Six straight wins, averaging nearly 40 points a game across that run. Can they keep it going? Tune in on the Listen app for every single game, live, commercial free. That's good. Soundbites time, and we have a real country vibe today. Given the crucial stakes we mentioned for the Bunnies just a moment ago, it was good to see their star fullback, Latrell Mitchell, tuning up by shotgunning beers with UFC enforcer Tai Tuivasa and country music star Luke Combs on stage this week. Maybe the best thing about that video was Latrell's kit, RMs, a trucker cap, a tucked-in black collared shirt. It was giving real Lightning Ridge B&S ball sort of stuff. He wasn't the only legend in dress-up this week. Eddie Jones was rocking an Akuba as the Wallabies departed for the World Cup, but he wasn't tipping his hat to the assembled media who had the temerity to ask him about his decision to drop Quay Cooper and ex-captain Michael Hooper from the squad. Thanks for the worst press conference I've ever had in World Rugby. Worst press conference. Well done, boys. That is the worst I've ever seen. Can we have one? Worst I've ever seen. The, the idea behind the, I guess they're Cobras and the, the Oh, you guess they're Cobras. They're Australian, mate. Yeah. I didn't want to assume without knowing it. Right? Uh, forget it, boys. All right, good luck. You ought to give yourselves up to cut. Finally, Barnaby Joyce, who posted a video of himself and fellow locals watching the Matildas versus France. So, in Australia tonight, this is what's happening. Here we go. Only thing is, he was watching the replay of the friendly, not the actual World Cup quarterfinal. I mean, look, it was more the publicans' fault than Barnaby's, but still a bit cringe. Okay, that does us for ABC Sport Daily this week. This has been produced by Poppy Penny. One final reminder, that Matilda Sweden game, you can catch it live, commercial free, on the ABC Listen app. Thanks to the Daily Telegraph and checks notes barnaby joyce's facebook page that is a new one for the extra audio used in this episode discover more great abc podcasts live radio and exclusives on the abc listen app